pipe, oh, and it's yeah. blocked, and it, it is up. going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Welcome in to Inside Black and Gold. It's an episode. It's today. We're going to talk about Rookie Minicamp. I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. I am joined, as always, by Steve Geller. Steve is a little microphone deficient today, but he's going to power through. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing good. I might be actually better off probably doing this through my phone's microphone instead of the laptop. I, I trust your laptop. All right. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to get into a lot of Rookie Minicamp stuff today. My goal is to play sound from all seven draft picks because we have it. We can do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. But in this first segment, <laughs> I have to talk about the things that have nothing to do with rookies, or at least mostly. And that's the Saints have signed two players. Now, we knew this was Breaking probably news. going to be the case because they have all these open roster spots. It's one of the reasons they're carrying three kickers on the roster right now. But the Saints have signed veteran wide receiver James Washington. How do you feel about that, Steve? Another addition to the depth chart. They're definitely reworking a lot of things. You know, we've seen some some guys leave like a, you know, Marquez Callaway type of player. I'm surprised, actually, I guess Traquan is, is still in the mix here. But it's interesting to see them kind of building up the wide receiver depth chart. It was definitely expected going into a training camp kind of thing. Uh Washington, a former second-round draft pick, just really hasn't lived up to the the hype, I guess you would say. Yeah, I mean, everyone's still in the mix right now. There there are 13 wide receivers on the on the roster as of this signing, which yeah. feels like a lot. Might have to go back and check this time last year if they had that many. I doubt it. Typically, you're only going to carry six, maybe seven wide receivers on the roster, so there will be a lot of cuts uh, <laughs> when we get down to it. But uh, here's what Dennis Allen had to say about James Washington this morning, that would be Monday morning at the Saints Hall of Fame golfing event. You know, obviously he was injured last year, but but there were some 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 things that we saw previously uh, to that in terms of just you know speed down the field. You know, kind of a a, uh, a guy that can get vertical into the defense. So obviously he's a guy that we're we're certainly you know interested in in, in potentially adding. Yeah, and, and I think you look at the numbers and, and the figures bear that out, right? So in his career, you're talking 114 catches, 1,629 yards, 11 touchdowns. His first four seasons were with the Steelers. He signed with the Cowboys last season. He dealt with a fifth metatarsal injury in camp. He spent a good chunk of the season on injured reserve. He appeared in two games, had one target zero catches. So you're really not getting anything from that last season. But if you want to go back, you know, the, 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 the negative thing you can definitely say about James Washington is his usage declined. 
over his last two years with the Steelers. His biggest year was in 2019. He had 44 catches for 735 yards and three touchdowns, a long of 79. So this is a big play guy, right? He averaged 16.7 yards per reception. In 2021, he had 24 catches for 285 yards, two touchdowns, and he averaged 11.9 yards per reception. So, you know, I think part of this is you're looking at it and saying, could his lack of usage be tied to Big Ben's arm turning into Jello, <laughs> which I think is is a reasonable question because it did, and it, it impacted Juju Smith-Schuster. It impacted the entire passing attack, and we didn't see him with Kenny Pickett to wonder whether there was a difference that were going to happen. Right? We didn't see him with Dak Prescott, so I think there is some reason for optimism of yeah, maybe he can get healthy and is a big play threat. Now, I don't know why, if the Saints really need another big play threat, but it never hurts to have a veteran on your roster. And I think at this point, when you're signing veterans ahead of camp, you're kind of trying to identify those veteran practice squad inclusions, like the Chris Harris of last season, the Latavius Murray of last season, because you can call them up three times out of the year. So if you end up stashing him on the practice squad, and then a guy like Chris Olave or Rashid Shahid gets hurt, well, all of a sudden you have a guy you can you can elevate and plug in. So I think that's probably what you're going with here. The biggest concern, obviously, is, you know, another guy, a receiver, too, dealing with a foot issue l- last year. But I don't think it's something that's been a chronic problem throughout his career kind of deal. Yeah, and I mean, I don't care if he's, deals, if he's an injury-prone guy because if he gets injured and doesn't play, it doesn't affect you at all. So like, I'm not, I don't think the injury history is a concern it's a concern when you're paying somebody one year, $10 million, right. and he's going to be a major part of your offense. If he's James Washington, you're like, hey, let's gamble, <laughs> right? The odds are in your favor. So I, I think that's where you're going with yeah, your- I don't, Another guy, like you mentioned, like the calling up, setting down kind of thing. Kevin White's not back, is he? I think they, they've moved on from him. For now. For now, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll never say never. He seems to be just that guy that they bring back. You know, him and Kenny Stills, uh, there's right. always there's always a chance they end up on the roster. But yeah, so that's James Washington. They did sign one other player, and Dennis Allen kind of implied that this was going to be the case, is they had all these players in for tryouts. They have these roster spots. And so it is kind of interesting. You look at it and you say in most seasons, like I don't think a single tryout player made it last year. Like they had all the tryout players at rookie minicamp last year. I don't think a single one was signed to the active roster. This year is different. Like if I was a tryout player coming in for the Saints this year, I had all the motivation in the world because you look at all those empty roster spots. Like there's four roster spots just sitting there. They It doesn't benefit the Saints to leave them open. So there was a good chance if you're in that tryout, you you could get signed. And that's what happened. Uh, Jack Heflin, a defensive tackle, he was on the All-XFL team, as you pointed out. Last year, he spent some time with the Giants. The year before that, he was with the Packers, undrafted guy out of Northern Illinois. And so, yeah, you know, he he got a tryout and he got a roster spot. So good for him. Yeah, I mean, I'll still building that depth. You know, you've got Malcolm Roach, uh, Prince Samili, Jerron Cage, an undrafted rookie. So, you know, you, you know you've got Brian Brzee, Kalen Saunders, Nathan Shepard, obviously in the mix, but trying to build up anything you can along that D-line, get those bodies ready for OTAs, baby. Yes, OTAs, which is, you know, I think we're, I think the next episode this week, we should just look ahead to OTAs and kind of, make some predictions and stuff like that. For now, we're going to look back at the rookie minicamp that happened this past weekend. We've gotten through the signings. Nothing really exciting. I expect we'll get one or two more signings. I think you're going to sign a tight end. Like, I think you have to sign a tight end because 
one of the things that happened at rookie minicamp, which is kind of weird because it didn't happen, is Joel Wilson, the UDFA tight end that you signed out of Central Michigan, did not pass his physical and never actually signed on the roster. So you look at some other tryout guys. You have Seathan Carter, a tight end out of Nebraska, and you have Jamal Turner, a tight end out of Toledo. Like, I think at this point, if you're just looking for a camp body, either one of those guys, you probably just say, hey, come in for the first week for, for OTAs, for the first week of training camp. We'll pay you whatever you pay an, uh, an undrafted free agent, and you fill that roster spot. So I think that's a position to keep in mind. Because I, I think Joel Wilson, that's a bummer, because I think that he was interesting to get a look at. We never will actually see him. And I'm pretty sure we've we brought up last episode the signing of Foster Morrow. But at least, I mean, we got a little more information from Dennis Allen, from Mickey Loomis, uh, also, you know, uh, talking at the Saints charity golf event. And it seems like the expectations are pretty much that he should be even available for organized team activities, which to me is pretty amazing. Yeah, we don't know whether he'll be there at OTAs. Right, we don't we know do for know sure. that he could be there at OTAs. Yeah. Like, we know that it's possible, and I think that's important. Like, I think it's up to Foster whether he wants to be out there or not, and it's up to his doctors. But when Dennis Allen was asked directly whether Foster could participate in OTAs later this month, he said, absolutely. But that's, again, don't freak out if he's not there because these are not mandatory. There are going to be a good number of players who aren't there. And Dennis Allen said today that he's kind of just going to wait and see. He expects pretty good attendance, but he's not going to predict who's there and predict who's not there because that only works against you when you say so-and-so is going to be there and then he doesn't show up. And I was like, oh, no, what's happening? Just ask the Pelicans um, about that one. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I think that they're just projecting that, like, he is – he could be available. But, yeah, I mean – you, the, this, the the form of cancer that Foster had is a really high percentage chance of, you know, success and getting it to go in remission or whatever. It's still very cool that he was able to handle it and get back healthy or uh, however quickly he is able to. And, uh, yeah, so and you're talking about a team that didn't need a tight end, and now they have that tight end. Yeah, to me, too, it's like you look at the skill set, obviously, that Morrow brings to the Saints – uh, exactly what they needed, a guy that can, you know, be that inline blocker with a little bit of, you know, that receiving finesse and has experience playing with Derek Carr, so that can only be another bonus. Yeah, he's just a well-rounded guy. And Mick, yeah. one thing Mickey said today was the whole, like, New Orleans native LSU guy, that's had nothing to do with their interest in Foster Moreau. Right, that's just Lanyap. And, like, that's why, like, again, like, we talk about, oh, why didn't they draft Tajay Spears? Because this team does not care that he is from New Orleans, right? It was never going to factor into their decision-making. Now, that said, there is a player who has a kind of homecoming story, if you will. His name is Nick Anderson. He's technically from Mississippi. His grandfather is actually the mayor of Vicksburg, Mississippi, but he played at Tulane. His whole family are Saints fans, and he's getting a chance to compete for a roster spot. And he's a confident guy, and we got a chance to talk to him after the second rookie minicamp practice, we were out there on Saturday. They had another practice on Sunday. But I think his approach and his his kind of the way he goes about what his kind of goals are for this offseason is, is impressive. And here's that interview kind of pared down from Saturday. 
It's been great, great experience. Just excited to start over, really. You know, being the Tulane, a lot of things that got repetitive, you know, just being the older guy in the room. So it's it's fun experience being a young guy in the room and just having so much to learn. Um, learning with Coach Hodges, learning with the other linebackers, learning what Coach Allen wants to do with the defense. Uh, it's been a great experience and just ready to keep soaking it in, keep being a sponge day in and day out. But what's it like going in and putting in that helmet? Oh, just overall, it means a lot, man. Just growing up watching the Saints, just even being in this locker room, seeing all pro guys walk through here like Jawan Johnson, Cameron Jordan, um, just a lot of guys. Tyron Matthews saw him the other day. Um, and just guys that, you know, have a legacy and have built the legacy in the NFL. It's surreal just being in the same locker room as those guys. And, you know, I'm not as starstruck as I was, but I'm good now. But just, you know, overall just having this opportunity is a blessing. I'm looking forward to making the most of it. You feel like you got something to improve? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely just being one of those guys that's undrafted, but just also just having the opportunity to continue to do what I love to do and play football. Definitely got a big chip on my shoulder. But, you know, this is nothing new. You know, I went to Juco route, um, went to Tulane, and you know, I had to start from the bottom. So just looking forward to doing that again. Yeah, so my question for you, you started Jones, right? And you go through that experience at Jones. What did that teach you about getting to this level? Um, just overall humility. You know, just being able to start over and really show me that you don't know it all. You know, and that's one of the things that I really just care with me here is just forgetting, not forgetting everything, but, you know, putting on the back burner what I've learned at Tulane and really trying to start over as a rookie and really understand what they're trying to do here, um, understand I don't know it all, understand I want to know it all, you know, just trying to learn from everybody, you know, not just coaches, but guys that have done rookie minicamp before, um, guys that, you know, have went through all this before and just doing, making the most of the situations. And can you feel the support of the community behind you? Most definitely, and I rally with New Orleans, man. This is my home, you know. I'm a Mississippi guy, but New Orleans is my second home. I love the city. Love the support from everybody. And it's just the mentality of New Orleans, whether it's the Pelicans, whether it's the Saints, whether it's Tulane. They love their teams. And, you know, just feel the love consistently. It's a blessing, man. It's not like this many other places, but I'm glad to call this home and ready to get to work. How excited was your family about this opportunity. Oh, my, my family went crazy, man. They, I think they were more excited than I was. Um, so, you know, my granddad, him being a uh, season ticket fan for the Saints, he was, you know, he was, it was right up his alley. Um, so I know that they made their day, you know, knowing that I was going to be close to home, only three hours away, and they can keep coming down, you know, high 20 to see me play. What's the first thing you've noticed in the difference between the collegiate and the professional level? Um, just overall, it's a little bit more detailed. You know, the coaches kind of slow it down a little bit just to make sure you're taking the right steps, making sure that each movement is efficient. You know, in the college world, you know, you're trying to get things done. You're trying to get everything done on the time limit. But here, they really just focus in on the details. And overall, just knowing your assignment and just slowing it down and knowing exactly what you're doing. So I just know that, you know, on this level, it's about the fine lining rather than just getting the reps. You know, Coach was saying the other day, it's about quality over quantity. And that's something that's definitely different in college. Has kind of staying in the same city helps the transition a little bit between college and NFL? Most definitely just not having to move, you know, not having to move across the country. Um, the heat was a little different because at Tulane we practice in the morning so coming out in the middle of the day it was a little bit hotter but overall it's been a smooth transition going from you know uh, uptown area out here. Nick when the schedule came out did you did you shoot Ty J a tech Oh most definitely most definitely I told Ty J I'm coming for him we going um, and we definitely got to get that jersey swap after the game. So yeah that was former Tulane linebacker Nick Anderson and you know I just appreciate that he's managed to thread the needle of being very humble and talking about how it's like, I know nothing. I am here to learn and kind of just emulate the stars that are around me and kind of form my game after them and, and be a productive member of this roster. But also like 
fully expects to be on this roster week one. No question in his mind. And, you know, like you, you listen to him and you believe him. Like you don't think like, oh, he's just talking. Like you believe what he's saying. And I think his approach is is a good one. Like he understands that what he learned at Tulane is not going to help him make this roster beyond kind of getting him set up to where he is now. From here, it is very much starting from square one. And, you know, there's going to be a linebacker in this group that makes this roster. Maybe there's someone signed up to scrap heap if if these guys don't pan out. But like one of a guy like Nick Anderson, Anthony Orgy, one of these linebackers is going to have a chance to make this roster. And, you know, I think Nick is going to have some difficulties in the sense that he is not the size that you would want your traditional right. linebacker to be. But he's definitely going to put the work in. Right. Has the great attitude. You know, we've we've talked about it before, too. Someone that he looks up to, obviously, former Dome Patrol legend and Sam yeah. Mills. And I know, you you know, we mentioned the, the field mouse, uh, one of your favorite nicknames of all time. But to yeah. to have that kind of sense when you get compared, uh, one of his coaches compared him to, to to a Mills player trying to live up to that's obviously difficult, especially now you're going to the black and gold and playing in New Orleans. But we've we've seen this kid work before, and, and obviously that road to making the roster is going to be through special teams, which thankfully for him, he's got that experience at Tulane as well. Yeah, he can definitely stand out on special teams. Uh, and I think that's going to be the ticket to whoever makes that the roster. If, if there is kind of a UDFA making this roster a linebacker, it's going to be because they stand out on special teams and they make themselves invaluable on special teams. A couple other things worth noting, he's put on some weight. Because he's trying to obviously, yeah, he's he's yoked right now. I mean, he's a smaller guy, so he kind of it's you know when you're smaller, you kind of just look like a you know muscle hamster, right? Like the Doug Martin <laughs> thing. But he's a, he's a big dude, and so like there's a good name really right like, there too. Can he o- overcome the height and the length disparity by just toughing it out? I don't know, but it's going to be fun to watch. The other thing he did was he turned fine line into a verb which is something I haven't heard before. Maybe it's a, maybe it's an NFL thing. He said he's fine lining. Like he's <laughs> like, like you're kind of, you have to like have a fine line and you're, you turn that in. I don't know. I enjoy, I enjoy the English language sometimes. Yeah. You know, you just got to make up your own words to describe what you're, you're, you mean some, you know, to get it out there. See, but I don't, I don't think well, he is, made that what up. Be, what would be fine lining? Well, like, so you're, you know, you're trying to make everything perfect. Like, like one of the things that every one of these UDFAs and rookies said, and, and this is not them, this is them parroting, like they're taking in information and they're, they are repeating it and they're trying to understand it. And, and one of those things is you, this is more about quality than quantity. This is detail oriented work. This is not about getting in as many reps as you can. This is about getting in as many quality reps as you can. And so that's the fine line you need to walk is you need to work hard. You need to work fast, but you need to do it all right. There's no more space for, okay, well, I can make up for that because I'm more athletically gifted than everyone else in the room. That's not the case anymore. You need to do it better. And we're going to hear from Nick Saldaveri, and and he talked about that too, coming from a small school. But yeah, I, I think fine lining. Like, it's just funny because you hear, you hear stuff said. And you hear it enough times that it's like, okay, someone in this coaching staff is using that, that Probably, verbiage right. and it's kind of filtering back <laughs> through the interviews. And so it wouldn't surprise me if at some point this year we hear Michael Hodges say fine lining. I'm like, okay, there it is. Anyway, I just find that stuff amusing. No, you're right. It's probably definitely coming from a coach and that's why you are hearing it parroted. 
Yeah. Well, like every everyone on the Saints do it too. Will say, "Oh, get one percent better every day." Right. <laughs> that was always that was always Cam to me, and I was like, "I was is that rubbing off on everybody else?" Well, it's a Dennis Allen thing. Okay. It's very. He says that all the time, and so the rookies come in and they're like, "Okay, yeah, get one percent better." Like Jay Kaner said that, and I was like, "Jay Kaner is definitely the player, the rookie who's going to hear his coach say something and immediately start repeating it." Because that's just the type of player he is. He's, you know, he's like a manifest reality type guy. I don't know. I, I just, I enjoy that type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to get like a Saints verbiage of training camp kind of dictionary, maybe. We should. We should come up with like a glossary of, <laughs> of Saints training camp terms and what they actually mean. Uh, that would be funny. I, I might start that. Maybe I'll start it with fine lining and just kind of add to it as we go. But all right. Let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back and we're going to play audio from all seven Saints draft picks. So far, you've heard from Nick Anderson. He's going to be the one UDFA we hear from today. We'll get more into the, UT- the UDFAs as we go on. But that's something I think we can get into at OTAs because that's, to me, OTAs is like UDFA proving ground. That is where they really can make up some gra- the gap on some players because not all the veterans show up. So there's some valuable reps to be had. So we're going to talk about them down the road, but we're going to come back. This is Inside Black and Gold, and we're going to start with some sound from first-round pick Brian Brzee. The first time we've really got to talk to him in a, in a close-up setting out in a Zoom call. So keep it locked on Inside Black and Gold. We'll be right back. inside black and gold and we're gonna get right into it we have a lot of audio we want to get through we're gonna start with the big guys we're gonna work toward the smaller guys first one we're gonna hear from is brian brzee and before we go into it see was there anything that stood out to you about brian brzee that you saw you know it's the first time we've really seen him work just really you know obviously getting to see him up close and personal the size obviously factor uh really nice guy you know him we're getting to speak with him in the locker room but you know the tough part about rookie minicamp is we're watching guys in shorts and helmets and especially like 10 minutes, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, there was no even team drills that we saw, you know, um, we, we got to see positional work, Yeah, but um, yeah, without the pads on, it's always difficult to get your, you know, those tr- guys in the trenches really to get a good feel of them. But, but overall uh, I think that, you know, it was a, a good positive seeing him uh, the, talking about his, you know, his journey still coming to the NFL and how he's ready to prove all those doubters wrong that are worried about his, you know, that past injury history and living up to that, I guess you would say, high school hype that he was coming into the to college with. Yeah, so so two things stood out to me. Well, one, like you're talking about the size. I actually think it's it's the opposite way. Like he does not strike me as the – the build you've seen the saints operate with at the defensive tackle position. Like he's not built like a shy Tuttle or a uh, Kentavious street, right? He's a little, he's similar closer to David Onyemata, but like, you know, it's, he's not, you would see him and you would think maybe this is a defensive end. Right. Definitely not this ginormous, huge presence. Yeah. And, and, and Dennis Allen was asked about the size weight thing. And he said, he's, he thinks he's fine where he is. And I think, it's going to be interesting because I do think they have to use him a little differently. I think they're going to have to get a little more creative because 
he's not going to be a huge run stuffing defensive tackle. It's like, I think that this team and this defensive line group should get more creative with how they use some of the bodies on the interior. But that's what strike me is like, once you see him close up, he's not as physically imposing as some of the, like David Onyemata is massive. I didn't get the same. I, I, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe down the road, maybe once you get pads on him, I'll feel a little differently, but that, that struck me. The other thing that I thought was endearing was, so you go up and you introduce yourself to these people and you're like, oh, hey, I'm Jeff from WWL. And most people, most of the players will be like, oh, hey, yeah, nice to meet you. Brian, you go up and you introduce yourself and you're like, I'm Jeff from so-and-so. And you're like, oh, hey, Brian Brzee, nice to meet you. <laughs> I'm like, I know who you are. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he did that like five different times. I just thought it was so funny. I just think it's like, and it's nothing. It's just, I think it's very telling of his personality. Like he's a very right. happy person. It, he doesn't view himself as the star of that conversation, which I think is unique. Like, you know, I've talked to a lot of people in locker rooms and not once have they introduced themselves to me as if they thought maybe I didn't know who they were. I don't know. Maybe it's because he's coming from Clemson where he's like in the middle of the woods. I just thought that was kind of funny. And obviously he's dealt with media before, but this is, you know, quote unquote NFL media in front of him. And I don't know how much of a gaggle of reporters he's had to deal with at one time, but I would say it was pretty significant, obviously, for Saints rookie camp that, you know, he's getting constantly bombarded. But in a, but it is funny, like you said, it's like, I'm Brian Brzee. And it's like, hey, yes, Brian I, Brzee, I know, nice to meet you. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it did. It struck me as like kind of like how my mom always trained me to like hold doors open yes. for people. And like his like his mom probably was like, this is how you introduce yourself to strangers. And so he's just always done it anyway. So without further ado, here is some sound from Brian Brzee after his second day of Saints practice. Yeah, I mean, it's been really exciting getting out here. New coaches, new, new teammates, and, you know, learning a new scheme uh, and, just, and just working with everybody. It's been, it's been really fun. No, I don't think it, it was anything that I, you know, didn't anticipate, but just getting out here and, and you know, just getting to work, getting through, you know, all these, all these meetings, learning the playbook, just stuff that I, I knew was coming and, and um, you know, things that just come with with football at, at just about any level but you know to a higher extent uh in the nfl now so but yeah just learning the playbook getting out there learning a new 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 coaching new practice you know just all that that new stuff that comes along with it has been uh has been exciting you know i definitely pride myself on on being able to learn football uh you know relatively easily so uh that's been good for me just and you know once i get out there if i do make a mistake another thing just you know not making the same mistake twice is something that that i really focus on so um you know it's been it's been good so that's Brian. So one thing worth noting, if you ever you hear that kind of like zing, like whatever, I trimmed these down and I didn't want to make it sound like, so if I, if I cut out like any, a question or like one of his answers and it's because it's just kind of like babbling, I'm not going to just resume the recording as if it's all one thought. So like, that's kind of how I am differentiating between like, you know, not starting an entire new audio file versus, making it sound like he spoke in sentences he didn't speak in. So if you hear that, that's what that means. I like the little transition sound. Yeah, I just think that's important because I don't want to make it sound like this is a whole sentence and he just went from this to this because I think that's disingenuous. And so uh, that's how we're doing it. Anyway, Steve, you have just alerted me to some Saints news because they have decided that they need to make all of their roster moves while we are recording. Yes, they've waived Cy Barnett and Vincent Gray per the NFL transaction wire. And in the addition to signing to James Washington, the Saints are also signing DB Adrian Fry and running back Ellis Mayweather. 
hit the Google to look up some names. Both players at the tryout. Yes, right. So again, like we were talking about, this was a very opportunistic tryout for the Saints. I mean, that's now three players. Again, I don't, I can't recall the last time a player made the roster from a tryout like that. Like you've seen players come in and try out and like a veteran usually, and they'll make it onto the roster, but not from these rookie tryouts. Like that's different. That's, this is not something that usually happens and it's a product of having those open roster spots. So good for these guys. We'll probably get looking, we can get more into them in the next episode as we look forward to the UDFAs, but let's get back to the, to the rookies for right now. So that was Brian Brzee. And, you know, as I was talking about with Brian, just this very friendly, you know, personable guy. And, and that is a trend among these, these rookies. Like these are all people that are very comfortable talking to the media, at least the, the early picks. And that's also true of Isaiah Foskey, who, you know, he's basically a guy who you can see in 15 years is going to be in media. He's going to be like someone calling games, just the way he presents himself. And he's just very professional sounding. And uh, so here, here's that interview. I just keep showing my technique off to the coaches that I can adjust to the playbook a lot uh, better than all the other rookies. And people are going into the season too. So just showcase I can just pretty much just earn the uh, coaches trusts trust throughout the season. Are they throwing a lot at you right now? Not really. It's like basic, like fronts, but not a lot. Like it hasn't been thrown at me, but just still get the simple stuff down. Like the main one has just been the four eye like technique. Uh, just learning that because I did it in uh, college, but just not as much here. But stuff, stuff, little stuff like that, and like tilting on the on the edge and the five technique or nine technique, just doing a little tilt, little techniques here and there to make me play better. Yeah, so that, that's Isaiah. And, and again, you you hear a lot of the same answers from from the rookies, like don't make the same mistake twice, get 1% better every day. One of the few technical things we, we heard was from Isaiah, which is that he's really focusing on the 4-I, which is essentially a 4-3 defensive end, right? Like if you're you're putting your hand on the dirt closest to the offense, offensive tackle, you're lining up over the offensive tackle, it's kind of – dumbing it down as much as I can. And I think that's kind of where you're at right now is you're seeing where he can play and what he can do and what his strengths are going to be as a rook. And I think he's going to be worked in a rotation. And like these early practices, I think are really important for this team to kind of get an idea of what they can expect from him this year. It's funny. You mentioned, you know, the, you know, the guys in the beginning, you know, you're walking up to them and sometimes you don't recognize a face. And it's like, wait a minute, who am I talking to? And with Foskey, it was kind of like, wait a minute, who is this veteran speaking? Because I thought he was so well thought out, sounded so great, and then realized, you know, it's this kid from Notre Dame. And I agree totally. It looks like he's ready for a, a gig in broadcasting already kind of thing. And and you, look, you appreciate the thoughtfulness that goes into the answers instead of you just getting the one or two word responses, which some of these rookies do. And, and, and I'll, I get it. Some of it is they don't yeah, know. You're, anything. you're learning. Comfortable. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You're learning how to, how to deal with the media. Like you don't deal with the media at this level in college. Like, and in a lot of instances, you're protected. You could go entire seasons without talking to the media. You know, I'm sure Isaiah has dealt with the media more than some of the rookies coming in because he was a team leader. He was a captain. I'm sure he got interviewed after a lot of games, but even then it's at a much like you're not getting harassed in the locker rooms, you know, like you're going up to a podium and yeah. So it's, it's definitely, you know, when you hear someone that comes in and sounds like they're already ready for it and they're handling it well, 
it's notable. Last year, that was the case with Delonte Taylor. And exactly I think we saw, right. we saw him kind of operate at a, as a rookie, looking like someone who has been in the league for two, three years. Now, I think that's true for Isaiah, but I think that is very true for the next person who we're going to play the clip of. And that's Nick Saldaveri, who is focusing at guard. I think that's important to point out. He's focusing on right guard, which was kind of the the expectation, right? Like you knew it didn't it wouldn't have made sense for him to come in and work at right tackle. I think they brought him in thinking he's a guard who can kick out to tackle if they need to. But so for right now, I think the idea is he's going to be the backup guard to Cesar Ruiz. James Hurst is going to be the backup to Andres Pete, who could also play left tackle if you need. And then the ideal starting five for next season along the offensive line would be Trevor Penning, Andres Pete, Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, Ryan Ramchek. And so you have your starters, you have solid quality backups at every position, like backups who you have started before and feel comfortable with. And you don't see a weak point, which like every time Calvin Throckmorton got on the field last year, that was a clear weak point, right? You wouldn't, the idea is you won't have that again. But here is what Nick Saldaveri had to say when we talked to him. It's been really good. Coach Marone does a really good job of making things easily digestible for players. And I feel like I'm doing something completely different than I've done in college. And I've done a solid job being able to pick things up on the fly and kind of just put things together and piece things together in the offense and understand what my role is. And, yeah, we're just taking it one day at a time, and it's obviously only day two, but it's going good. What is it about the way he teaches that makes it so easy? I find it that he's very personable. Like, he he knows how to reach certain guys with different words. can't coach everybody the same, especially not at this level. Everybody's different. And um, he does a good job of understanding how guys are different and what they need to be great. I just need someone who's going to be on me and, like, coach me hard. Like, I appreciate that. Some guys, like, struggle with that kind of thing, but – He's going to coach me hard, and he's going to be consistent with it. And um, he's just, like, focused on the details of my game because coming from where I like, came from, like, I dominated a lot of guys through force and power and stuff. But at this level, you need to be a little bit more technical and detailed and things like that. So working on those kind of things and making those more more detailed, it's going to be a big improvement. Is that different for you to focus on guard? I know you're a personal guy. But... Yeah, it's just different. You kind of got to just understand what you're getting yourself into. There's different angles, different timing things that you have to understand. And it hasn't been difficult. Like, I'm, that's all I've been playing right now. Sometimes I go into certain situations where I'm playing center guard and tackle, and that's a little bit more difficult. But coming in and playing right guard every day, that kind of makes it a little bit easier because you can focus on one thing at a time. Yeah, I just got to be focused on my, my technical my technical things that I need to work on and focus on getting better at one thing every day, whether it be hands, whether it be feet, whether it be my feet and hands working together. Sal very another, you know, impressive young dude. And you, we talked about that, that need for depth along the offensive line. So many, so many of these players we saw banged up last year. And like you mentioned with rock Morton too, just when, when he entered the game, it was definitely a, a definite weak point on that old line. And it just seemed last year too, it just, the, the run game, totally struggled and could not get going because there was that lack of consistency along the line. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that stood out to me on, on Saldaveri, you know, outside of what he was talking about, which again, you got a really good kind of technical breakdown of what he's doing and he, the understanding. And, you know, he talked about Doug Marone, who's going to coach him hard. And it's like, that's something we heard from Cesar Ruiz too, is Doug Marone is a very good instructor of young offensive linemen who need kind of repetition based training, that sort of thing. Um, and he, he's very good at explaining things in ways people can understand, and that's important. But he's also 
very much an NFL built offensive lineman already. And, you know, you wonder with a guy coming out of Old Dominion who, you know, is he going to have like kind of the structure, right? And he very much does. He's a big dude. I was, I was, I was surprised. I did not expect him to be that big uh, coming in, but you know, it, it is something. And it was, it's similar to, you know, Trevor Penning last year. And he, he identified this about himself and I'm sure it's because he's been told this. It's not necessarily just self-actualization because I, Trevor Penning said almost the exact same thing was he got away with some maybe lackadaisical skill work in college because he was able to overpower everybody yeah. at that level, not going to be able to do that here. And understanding that early on is important for like, when you're talking about a small school guy, it's not like a disqualifying factor, but you do have to approach things in a different way. And you do have to appreciate that your skill work might not be up to par. And that's something you're going to have to focus on early in your career that a guy who comes out of maybe a Clemson or a Georgia or an Alabama might not. Um, a guy who's been playing in the SEC might not because they didn't have a choice because their skill work had to be good. Otherwise, they would have got eaten a lot. So I think that's interesting as well. Yeah, and, and going back to, to what you said with the development uh, uh, along the O-line and, uh, you know, Doug Marone riding these guys – it's really unfortunate that the Saints had to lose someone in Zach Streif, who I think is obviously an excellent communicator, someone who's not too far removed from the game, but obviously on to the Sean Payton coaching staff in Denver. Uh, we'll definitely miss him all around, just a great guy, uh, but really really felt he has that great mind for the game and able, and, and able to translate that in a way that was something that the other offensive linemen we're able to pick up from him just because of how he presented to him. Uh, I, I don't who made the clip. Was it Foskey or was it Saldaveri just right now talking about, you know, coaching to the player, not just, uh, you know, everybody has different, different dynamics that yeah. need to be addressed. Yeah, that was Nick. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it is important and it's something that's really kind of, I feel like it's difficult to yeah, necessarily identify. Right. If you're in a job interview and it's like, yeah, this guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Like Josh McDaniels, I think, is a great example of that, who he just has no idea how to coach humans. He's a football genius. But can you coach a human being? Can you can you identify and relate to human beings? And it's something I wonder about Dennis Allen, because he's a very kind of robotic individual. Does he relate to people the way you have to? Yeah, I, I wonder about that because I wonder about Dennis Allen in a lot of the same ways that I wonder about Josh McDaniels. Hopefully that, that that gets a little better because, you know, Bill Belichick, I've always felt like, how can any human being relate to that guy? And he's one of the greatest coaches of all time. So it doesn't it's not necessarily kind of a uh, an A to B thing. But yeah. Yeah. With Belichick, I guess, though, it depends on who you talk to. Yes. Well, true. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, cause I can't remember who it was. So it's like this isn't fun. They're not no, having right, any way. Right. Yeah. It's a business over there. But all right. Let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the little guys. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Let's go. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. This is one more segment. We're going to talk about the little guys. And first things first, we're going to go to the, I don't think he's the littlest guy, but he is the only safety in the rookie class. And so let's hear from Jordan Howden. You know, first off, it's a great start to, you know, to start my pro career and everything like that. And 
coming here to try to adjust to the weather and get around the coaches and being around new, new people that I've never seen before. But a uh, pretty cool experience so far, you know, just having fun and just enjoying how the team operates and things of that sort. Um, the learning aspect, you know, it's just, it's, it is a lot. You know, they throw a lot of stuff at you, but, you know, they know you're going to make mistakes. It's just how you respond and things of that sort. Just trying to get better than I did yesterday, and I think that's the biggest thing, you know, moving forward. What have you gained so far on the field? Um, just knowing, like, being in the right spot and getting me, in, like, in the right area and then how to make plays because then once I know where to go and I can be able to have fun and do what I do. How much are you looking forward to when the veterans are going to be here? For me, it's just, like, how they operate on and off the field and how they take care of their body, what's their routine, um, something that, you, that can help me just stay for a long time because I feel like that's the difference between a lot of people. They don't know what to do in the beginning, so I feel like getting around the people that have been here for a long period of time, you know, getting around them to see how they what they do and then do what's, what I think will be best for me in the long run. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know much about Jordan Howden at this point. Like, we again, like, we don't get to see that much at rookie minicamp. We're going to get a little bit more at OTAs, then we're going to get more mandatory minicamp, and then obviously to the training camp. But I think anyone who comes in with the idea of, yes, I'm going to follow Tyron Matthew around like a lost puppy and just learn every single thing I can from this all-time great safety, I think that's the correct approach. So I'm glad to hear he's doing that. Yeah, and uh, just another versatile piece, you know, I think we keep that's – an, that's a name that gets – overused or just said constantly with this team because they they like to find guys that are able to you know plug and play in different multiple spots you've seen him playing the block box deep safety uh, mostly though I know a lot of snaps on that special teams and that's going to be another key area for him coming into this camp yeah and in my roster projection I left him off the roster and it really doesn't have that much to do with him as a player it's just a numbers game and so yeah I think that there is a there is definitely, you know, obviously that projection means nothing. And there is plenty of time for him to make an impression. I just haven't gotten it yet. I was going to say there's plenty of time for you to change your opinion of him, too, because because we've seen so minimal, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's plenty of time for him to change his opinion of me, too, <laughs> I guess. I don't know if he has one. But, yeah. Anyway, speaking of first opinions, A.T. Parrott. Now, we didn't hear a ton from A.T. Perry's. He's probably the least talkative of the rookie class, the least outgoing. Not He's friendly. Like, it's not like a, 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 a brash thing. It's not an abrasiveness thing. He just, you know, he's a quieter. He's more, more subdued. But he was asked about Jake Hayner, and I think his answer about Jake Hayner was telling of both players. And uh, here it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a great guy. Um, you know, he's a leader on the field as well, um, in the huddle and everything, making sure guys know, uh, know what they're supposed to do uh, in the right spot, and as well as, you know, getting us the ball. So, uh, you know, he's a great guy. He's a great, really great guy. And leadership something that stands out after, like, two days? Yeah, it does. It does. You know, if a, when a quarterback walks in, you know yeah. what I'm saying, he's, a, he's the guy of the room. So be able to go on the field and make sure everybody knows doing what they're supposed to do, you know, that's a leader. That's a leader. Got that command. You're only a leader if people accept your leadership, right? Yeah. You're, like, if you're if you're a leader that nobody respects, then you're a fool. Like <laughs> that. So I think it is telling. Like he didn't have to come out and say that. He could have been like, right. "Oh yeah, I'm still getting to know him." Blah blah blah. Like first things out of his mouth was like, "Oh yeah, that guy is a leader," and I think that's telling, right? I think that's like when you when you view a player you've known for two days as a leader of that group. It's telling that not only are is that player doing something that's standing out and, and resonating, I think it's telling of the of the player involved that's identifying that too. Like so I think that's really good to hear because these are two guys like 
you're, you're excited to see Jay Kaner throw to A.T. Perry in camp. That's going to be happening. Um, and so that's going to be a, a fun pairing to watch, I think. And, yeah, you know, obviously just first impressions, but you meet Perry and it's hard to imagine Very what tall. kind of character issues were, you know, were something that are keeping teams away from him. Yeah, I mean, we have not identified anything like that. I, I don't. I, I think it, it probably had to do with work ethic stuff. You know, that's usually when when it's just kind of this amorphous idea of like, oh, character concerns. It's like, go look at Keishon, right? Like <laughs> Keishon Booty, and it's like, okay, yeah, like you can look at his background and be like, I don't see anything standing out. And then it's like, oh wait, he's not even in shape for his pro day. Maybe that's a question mark. Um, and who knows? I mean, it, it could also be like he just had one bad interview with his scout and the scout you know, told other scouts and who knows, either way, it doesn't matter. No, benefit of the saints. Yeah. And so, you know, it's going to be fun to watch. Hopefully he can be that kind of red zone weapon. That's what he considers himself to be. Um, And he's very much six, three, you know, that was not, that is not a, uh, just a line in the stat column. Like he's a tall dude. That was one of the areas too. We've talked about, this team needing that bigger body receiver, someone to make those contested catches kind of thing, especially with the obvious inconsistent health issues of uh, Michael Thomas. See, the only thing I'll say is I don't consider him like he's a tall wide receiver. I don't know if I would qualify him as a big body wide receiver. He's kind of like a beanpole at this point. I think you talk about like Brian Brzee, the the team is comfortable with him at the, at the weight and yeah. size that he is. I think AT needs to book up. Because, like, yes, he can go up and get balls, but he can also get just completely rerouted. And so I think that is going to be something he needs to focus on early on. But he's got time. Like, this is not – you're not expected to come in and be a finished product. I guess, too, more of that – just that ability or know-how, too, because there's just some dudes that don't – that won't go up and get the ball. They don't don't make those contested catches. But Perry's someone that's been there, done that before kind of thing, and isn't afraid to. Well, you, you, you better be, because that's why he's in the NFL. Um, all right. Speaking of that leader, here is Jake Hayner, quarterback, Drew Brees clone, if you ask Bobby Bear, coming at you. And I think for the first time ever running the system, I feel pretty confident. I mean, I'm going to make mistakes, and I know that. And just got to do everything you can to stay positive and, and encourage your teammates and the people around you. And, you know, I'm going to work my tail off here. I'm going to do everything I can to do it the right way and, you know, allow myself to play fast. I think the work stays the same, and uh, the approach is the same. The details are the same, and you know, I want to be a really good player in this league. I'm going to have to work really hard, and I'm going to have to put a lot of time in, and I know that. So, uh, you know, I'm happy to be here, excited to learn, excited to grow, and take one day at a time. What was it like uh, reuniting with your, your coaches there with uh, BJ and obviously uh, Coach Curry? There? Yeah, no, it's great having a familiar background with them, just to kind of, you know, understand them personality-wise and, and get to know them. Uh, at the senior bowl was great for me just to see how they were going to coach, how they wanted things done. And then obviously being here, I think just learning and growing and taking it, like I said, one day at a time. How's the transition been? Yeah, I think it's just a whole different scheme. Uh, a lot of different things, a lot of different moving pieces. Uh, and I think the details need to you know, be that much more taken care of. So uh, like I said, I'm going to study, go one day at a time and continue to get better. I just think the pro game is a lot more detailed. I need to be that much better and that much on top of, of what I'm doing. And, you know, I think I'll continue to get that with time and just know that it's learning curve and just be patient and get you know, 1% better every day. I mean, I think the install has been pretty heavy. I mean, they're putting a lot on our plate. Obviously not putting the kills, the checks in, but, you know, I just think I'm trying to get used to the pro game, the verbiage, the terminology, how different it is from what I was doing at Fresno State. Um, I know that this level does not translate over from the college level. So just trying to get better, trying to learn, grow, 
And like I said, just get better every day. Yeah, long play calls. And, you know, the good thing for me, I've had to verbalize my play calls ever, you know, since I was a kid in high school growing up. So I feel pretty confident about that. But I like to picture it in my head and really get a detailed description in my head while I'm calling the play. When you're not super confident in that in the beginning, there's a little bit of thinking going on. So, you know, try to do everything you can to eliminate the thinking and process and just play and do the best I can. Is is professional sports like the only thing in the in the world where it's like stop thinking so much? No, I think in general that's that goes for a lot of you know people and and different things. Just because if you get so bogged down on overthinking whatever it is, it it, it messes with you. I think that goes with anything, honestly. I think the world would be a better place if people stopped and thought a little bit more before they said words out loud. But hey, you know, that's just me. I did think some, a lot of the words that Jake said were, you know, we talked about, okay, get 1% better, you know, like, right. um, he also said, work your tail off, which feels like something Breeze said at least a thousand times, you know, it's (laughs) coming up next. The iron sharpens iron comment. Yeah. Like a very suburban dad type comment. Yeah, no, and I also thought it was interesting. Like he's the second person, along with Nick Anderson, who pointed out that nothing he learned in college matters. Like this is a completely different thing, um, and understanding that right now is important. So it's like you can just erase it, not erase it, but like you you don't need to bring in your habits from college to the pros. Like you understand things, but everything is so much more complex that if you are constantly trying to relate what you are learning now through the lens of how you learned it in college it is going to very much slow down your process. And I don't think that that's a coincidence that more than one player on, on in this rookie group is indicating that. I think that's something that is being preached is like, forget everything that you think you understand about professional football, because you're going to learn it right now. And you need to pick this up and you need to do it fast and you need to do it in a way that you're not out there thinking, because when you're thinking you're playing slow. And if, that you, you look at Ian Book and what Ian Book struggled with, it was playing fast enough. It was identifying things quickly enough that you could get the ball out on time and on target. And I've said this so many times, he was a half second slow with everything. And that's what you can't be, especially at the quarterback position. And so, you know, he's going to be a fun guy to watch. He's going to, he's a long way off, right? Like he is at best, you're talking maybe two, three years down the road. Maybe he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but he's just going to be kind of fun to watch his progression, I think. Definitely interested to see more of him, especially when we get into more team stuff. We got to see him, you know, throw the ball on air. And, yeah, the release looked quick, you know, getting getting the ball out fast and putting it perfectly in, in receivers' hands. That's all well and good right now. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see when there's more pressure on him. Maybe he can't see over that that line because he is a tad shorter. But, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, and definitely uh, you love the the makeup. The attitude of this guy, you you know, someone that you walk up to and definitely exudes that kind of confidence. Yeah, Cy Barnett dropped one of those passes. He got cut. Um, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it, it's – I had someone ask, like, I think I, I was on with Tommy Tucker in the morning show, and he was like, oh, is there anybody that stood out to you, made a great catch or a great play? And I was like, that's not what rookie minicamp is. There's no one-on-ones. It's like you are running a no, basic right. route, and your job is to catch the ball and not drop it, you know? like <laughs> So, like, we didn't see him make any – any crazy throws like you were no. doing the basics at rookie minicamp and he did the basics well that's what i'll say for him you know like you could see you know if he was standing there next to harrison frost who was a you know a tryout quarterback from west georgia and you could see like one of these guys was made better than the other one right like there was a clear difference in skill set there 
I think when you see Jake Hanner next to Derek Carr, you're like, okay, one of these guys is way better than the other one. <laughs> but, and then yeah. you know what? What's going to be interesting to see, let's see Hayner versus Winston yeah. kind of thing. But anyway, let's move on to Steve's favorite player. That's Kendry Miller, a guy who, as predicted, was out there at rookie minicamp, was not doing drills with the rest of the players involved. He was off to the side with the trainer. We saw him jogging around. He's working mostly on footwork stuff. Um, and here's what he had to say when he was asked about kind of, you know, his timeline. Also, why his balance is so good. And I appreciated his answer. You know, for me, I've, I've just been doing like uh, my technique with steps and different things uh, while, while, you know, the other running backs are going, kind of just trying to get the, the mechanics down of the different footwork, how it was from college to now. And, uh, you know, it's nothing too uh, hard, but, you know, I'm just kind of getting it down. Overall, how are you feeling? I feel great. You know, I feel great. But, you know, the the doctors, I kind of got to, you know, tone it down and be like, you're not ready for that yet. But uh, that's just the competitiveness in me. And so, yeah. Training camp, maybe? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, expect to be ready by training camp. What, what's going to be the process for you of just being able to show you can do that? And like, the route running and all that. Like, is that something you got to learn or is that there and you, think you just never got to show it? Nah, it was just something I, you know, I never got to show. And, you know, the coaches here, they, they got me on the jugs and, and tennis ball machine. That was like, you know, we, we knew it was in you. That's why we drafted you. Like, we know you can catch. So just showing everybody else in the world uh, my ability will be a big thing for me, and I'm uh, ready to get out there and compete. Coach Jones told me that you would have said you were the best receiver at TCU if they would have let you. Uh, how would you assess that? Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, if you go back to the practices and, and you cut on the film, you know, there's maybe, like, I can count on one hand most definitely how many drops I had, like, throughout uh, the years at TCU. Where does your balance come from? Probably, uh, you know, my feet probably got a lot to do with it. I have a, you know, a pretty big foot for a running back. Uh, I think I wear, like, a 13 and a half. So, you know, I'm well planted in the ground. So that's, that's probably a big part of it. It's got big feet. It's 13 and a half big? It is for a 5'11 guy. Okay, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, I got a 12. Right. But how tall are you? 6'1". Right. <laughs> exactly. He's 5'11". And he wears a 13 and a half shoe. That is pretty big. I mean, like, I, I'm six foot and I have 11. Like, I wear an 11 and a half. I could squeeze yeah. and do 10, 10 and a half if I had to. Um, <laughs> Don't do that. But it, it's just so funny. Like, if you asked Alvin... I'm sure he would say, well, why is my balance good? Oh, because I do these insane drills yeah. in the offseason where this guy, Dr. Reef, like throws me things as I'm balancing on a on a BOSU ball and doing backflips on one hand. And and, and Kendry's like, oh, I just got big feet. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to look it up just because I'm now curious. And I was like, okay, Camara is 5'10", and he wears a size 12. Oh, they have a shoe size there? Yeah, um, at least on this one that I that I just Googled. According to yeah, the interweb. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, I guess it does help, right? It's like if you're a point guard and you have gigantic hands, that helps, right? If you're a wide yes. receiver and you have gigantic hands, that helps. Like Rajon Rondo, I think, is a good example of like just an average height guy, but he has like alien hands, right? <laughs> like like you could you could just palm a ball. It's like, what the where'd the ball go, right? There's a there's a there's a sports center commercial like that where they were like when you shake his hand, just don't look down. <laughs> he has like a baby hand. Uh, like Kawhi Leonard is another guy who has like just like alien fingers. The claw. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think it, it is funny because it's like there are traits that, you know, okay, you just have gigantic feet for your frame. And that is helpful as a running back. You're very firmly planted in the ground, you know? So while I think that there's more to it than just his feet, 
I do think it's funny that he was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, my feet, totally my feet. I, I totally love, too, uh, there was uh, something I heard from him also talking about how he find, he kind of feels like he's ready to go, uh, but is listening to the doctors. Uh, but you can tell he, he already wants to get out there. And we heard him after the draft coming on Sports Talk uh, with the guys obviously talking about, you know, coming for that number one spot for, from Alvin Kamara. No, no offense, but he's coming. And, yeah, I'm definitely – this is a guy I am so excited to see more of, especially uh, come preseason even, just to see that action and what the Saints got in another running back they took. Yeah, he'd play in a game this weekend if you'd let him. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, he's he's very much a guy who's just like the doctors probably have to, like, chain him down. But it but it is the smart move because these practices mean nothing. Right, no, exactly. Like, it's not even from a fitness perspective, it's not even helping you. This is about install. You know, so the meetings are more important than what's happening on the field in a lot of instances. So I think that's the smart move. It'll be interesting to see whether he gets incorporated more in OTAs before minicamp. And I would expect no. I would expect them to hold him out. But maybe minicamp, maybe mid-June, you start to see it. And, you know, both Dennis Allen and he said that they don't expect to miss any of training camp. I think this is just being them being abundantly cautious, which I think is smart. Yeah, and I love, too, he talked about, um, you know, watching some game film and seeing Alvin Kamara catching the ball out the backfield, and he's like, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he he's very much, again, like he's a very confident guy. He uh, what, what Aaron Summers asked him was his, his coach, his former coach, said that he would tell you that he was the best receiver at TCU that just never <laughs> threw him the ball. And he, and he was just like, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, we'll see. Because you're going to get thrown the ball in this offense, and you better catch it. Like, I don't, I'm all for people talking big game, but you better back it up. And so if, if he's going to go out there and say, like, oh, I'm this fantastic pass-catching running back, I want to see it happen. Otherwise, I'm going to start to question everything. I'm going to start to question his shoe size and start to question. Right, let me see know. those. Yeah, right. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's like he's he's but he's like wearing a 13 and a half, but there's like two inches of space at the end. <laughs> Some <laughs> so filler cloudy. in there. <laughs> yeah. It's like like when you wear lips, except they're just like at the end of your shoe. Just like like you could like fold them up. <laughs> but no, there's gonna be a lot to learn about every one of these guys. But Kendry, I think because of the position he plays, there's gonna be a spotlight on him. And so hopefully he shines when it's when it's there. Yeah, and the, like you said, that spotlight's going to be coming, and we, we're not going to know anything until we get some kind of determination from the NFL on Alvin Kamara, and that's not going to happen until the trial gets over with and we have some kind of ruling there. And who knows if how long that could carry on. Will they settle? They're still – what's that? July 31st, I think, is the court date. When it's supposed to start, yeah. Right. And there's, there's just so much unknown with that even right now. Right. It could wrap up next week if they come to if they settle out of court. Right. Like we just don't know. I still expect it to settle. Um, I do too, it's kind of right. like, like that. Fo the Fox News lawsuit, like everyone was like, oh, this is totally going to court, totally going to court. There's no incentive for anyone to settle. And then you get about an hour from the trial starting and it's like all of a sudden, hmm, OK, we're, we're about to settle, huh? Like with contracts, you always hear deadline spur deals, you know, something chicken. Happen. It's a game of chicken. Yes. It's a game of chicken. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I think at a certain point, Alvin's going to, you know, like Alvin has a lot more to lose. Let's put it that way. And <laughs> whatever that guy's asking for at a certain point, I think he'll be like, you know what, fine, pay the guy. Um, but either way, that's something we'll just have to wait and see. No point, no point guessing. 
But either way, we're going to get a good look at Kendry, and I'm looking forward to it. But all right, let's wrap up this episode of Inside Black and Gold. We hit you with a lot of sound. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a bit about all these rookies. Yeah, any parting thoughts, uh, Steve, before we get out of here? No, just uh, waiting now for the countdown is to organize team activities next week. And, uh, yeah, we'll be getting and, – and that's another thing I think we've prefaced it to. Don't get too worked up if somebody isn't there. These are voluntary. Um, I understand that you want the team to be forming and bonding together and getting all those reps, but there's going to be plenty of time in that training camp. The OTAs are just voluntary stuff. But definitely I will say a not in, like the utmost important, but there's still, you know – pretty uh, meaningful stuff that obviously goes on in that time to start building that chemistry. And obviously a guy like Derek Carr, your, your quarterback, I'm expecting him to fo- be in full attendance. He better be there. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I hope he's here now. Yeah. I'm going to start calling him Otis to save some time, but yeah. But, so, well, I always, it's funny that you must say that because anytime I go on one of our shows and everyone's like, well, what are OTAs? And I'm like, we say this every year, organized team activities. Yeah. They go bowling and stuff. That's what <laughs> yeah. I wish OTAs were. I wish they were like bowling and like they get together and have like a ping pong tournament. That would be more fun. Do like cross training stuff. That's one day of OTA should be is like, yeah, duck pin bowling. Although I'm sure you heard of the one year that Sean Payton brought the team to the water park and there ended up being injuries. <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> Staff infections. Yeah. <laughs> that was pre-COVID, I'm sure. Right. Exactly. But all right, this has been Inside Black and Gold. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow him at Steve Geller. WWL is also going to be starting today, starting Monday, hosting Sports Talk 5.30 to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday, joining Mike Dettelier and Bobby Bear over there. So make sure to check that out. WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 and always free on the Odyssey app, just like this podcast if you haven't subscribed please do that if you haven't left us a rating and a review on apple Podcasts, please do that as well and check out our latest content over at wwl.com who dat let's go peace out black and gold